You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast, and I have Dr. Ilan Murad. He's the founder and CEO of Accelerated Evolution Biotechnology Limited. So, uh, Dr. Murad or Ilan, thanks for coming. Hey. Uh, I appreciate you being here. Thank you. And you're over in Israel, or where are you? Uh, I'm in Israel. Okay, what, what time is it there right now? Now it's uh, 8 p.m. Well, thank you for doing this so late. I appreciate it. Thank you. So, so tell me about uh, Accelerated Evolution Biotechnologies. What does the company do? Okay. <clears throat> the company was established 19 years ago mm. in an in incubator in Israel, in the Weizmann Science Company, the Weizmann Institution. And um, the, the basis of the company was a technology that we now use and we have patents all over the world. It's a, a screening platform. And uh, the outcome of the technology uh, are uh, therapeutic peptides. So actually, we can use this platform to uh, discover novel therapeutic peptides to almost anything we want. In, uh, we, we did the several projects for therapeutic peptides uh, in collaboration with other companies. And after a while, we decided that we want to do our own uh, projects. And we decided to focus on uh, cancer. So uh, at the beginning, we wanted to do what uh, everyone else is doing and um, just uh, take uh, the same target as uh, companies uh, used to generate uh, antibodies to and to do the same with peptides. And actually, we succeeded doing that, but then we decided that uh, this is not what we want because we would have uh, the same, more of the same. And the same is uh, drugs that uh, give relief for, for a limited time and then the cancer returns. So we decided to, that we want to uh, to make an effort and try to uh, think how we can cure cancer. Because we have such a great tool that we can generate uh, therapeutic peptides, and it's our own platform, and we, we can do great things with it. So well, let me uh, try to do something. No, that's 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 far better to cure cancer than to uh, you know just have drugs that keep it quiet just for a few months. But uh, can I yeah, ask you? Can you explain some basic things for people that don't know what are peptides and how, you know, where do they ah, come from in the body? What are they used for? Yeah. So peptides, uh, 
the simplest uh, way to describe peptide is uh, microprotein. So if, if, a, if a, prot a protein is a, is a large molecule, so if, for instance, uh, the size of, a, um, of a, a protein could be something around um, 50 uh, kilodaltons, and peptide could, uh, could uh, be one kilodalton, two kilodaltons. So they're much, much smaller, but they are, uh, uh, consist of the same building blocks, amino acids. So oh, protein, probably uh, everybody knows what proteins are. So peptides are very, very small proteins, you can say that. And where are peptides okay. produced now, in the body? Oh, there are peptides in our body. Uh, some of them have uh, biological uh, uh, activities. Some of them are pieces of proteins, are broken proteins. And they, they have, uh, they have uh, the role in our physiology, but our peptides are completely synthetic. Right. So what we do in our platform technology we just make what, in, what we call uh, libraries of peptides or, or um, large numbers of uh, peptides, usually millions or even billions different uh, peptides. So among this huge uh, number of peptides, we can pick up uh, peptides that do anything we want. We just have to know how to isolate them. And this is what our technology uh, does. So what, we, we... What so kind we, of... Uh, we well, one question, what, what kind of roles do peptides have in the human body? What kind of things do they do? Oh, so, sometimes they are hormones. For instance, insulin is a peptide. Oh. But, uh, but, but insulin is a big peptide. Uh, our peptides are much uh, smaller than, uh, than insulin. So they say that uh, the definition of peptide is up to 100 amino acids, but this is actually uh, it's a small protein, not a microprotein. Our peptides are very small, something like 10, 12 amino acids. So they're very, very small. Do peptides, uh, uh, do peptides fold like proteins do, or do they stay in a, a fixed structure? Actually, uh, they don't have a, a defined structure. So this is, you know, big protein has a very solid structure, and this sometimes this is one of the problems. For instance, you know, antibodies are protein, and a very large protein. For instance, uh, the size of uh, of uh, an antibody is 150 kilodaltons, while while the peptide could be one. So there's a great difference in the size, and, and this is uh, this is good for the peptide because you know if you want to manufacture protein. You have to do it in cell cultures and, uh, and use special plants for that. And this is very complicated and, and, and expensive. And peptide, you, you just click the, the sequence that you want on the machine, and you get the peptide on the other side uh, exactly what you wanted to. So they're much cheaper, easy to produce, and they have other qualities. So okay. we, we, that's why we decided to use our uh, platform technology to, to generate peptides because we, we also uh, could have uh, do it with uh, antibodies, but we, but we decided that we want to focus on peptides. We think it's better. So uh, we, at first we wanted to, uh, to discover for cancer as everyone else is doing, and then we decided that we want to do something else. So first we thought a lot about what are the main problems with cancer? Why, why cancer always come, uh, comes back? What is, what is called a drug resistance. Mm. And another question that we face is, why are there so many side effects? You know, 
chemotherapy has a lot of side effects, and this is uh, well known, but even with uh, a very specific antibodies, there are uh, some side effects that could be not uh, very simple. So we ask ourselves, how come? They are so specific. How come there are side effects? So after, after a lot of uh, thinking, we, we, we understand what the problems are. So the main problem with cancer is uh, that the cancer cells are very mutagenic. So we can generate mutations that can do that can help them escape almost any therapy, and this is exactly what happens. Right. So when you give a when you give a good drug uh, to the patient, many times it seems like uh, it helps. But then what happens? Not all the cancer cells are destroyed, and then some of them uh, acquire a mutation that disables uh, the treatment. And then they start uh, growing more and more, and then you, you get drug resistance. Because these cells are uh, having mutations that, uh, that uh, disables us the treatment. Mm. So what can we do about it? Now, we, we had a lot of uh, experiments and a lot of thinking about it, and then we, came, we, we remember something from, uh, from the 80s, you know, of the last uh, century. You remember AIDS, what happened uh, with AIDS there? People who got AIDS, uh, that was a death, death uh, center for them. Right. And then they started, uh, they started generating uh, all kinds of, uh, of drugs. And then the patient uh, got the drug, it seemed to, to help for a little while. And then the virus, the HIV mutated, and then the, 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 <coughs> the treatment didn't work anymore. And then they found the cocktails. And from, from this moment and on, actually, people uh, are not uh, sick if they keep uh, taking the cocktail. We have uh, experience of people who take the, the cocktail for more than 20 years. Wow. Actually, they're not sick. They are, they are HIV carriers, but they're not sick. Remember Magic Johnson? Yeah. He's well. He's functioning with HIV carrier, but he's fine. He's not sick. So... Yeah. I remember at the time when it happened, I said, wow, this, this was a genius thing. Only you have, instead of giving the patient one drug at a time, you give them uh, three, and then you solve the problem. It's so simple. So now I remember that and say, hey, this is the same problem because, you know, HIV is very mutagenic, and actually uh, most of the viruses are very mutagenic, and the cancer is very mutagenic. So it's actually, it's very similar. So if they solve the problem by giving a cocktail of several drugs, why don't we do the same here with, uh, with cancer? It could, it could do the same. Right. So actually, all, all the, all the uh, industry and uh, academia, they, they go in this direction because, you know, that's uh, what is called combination therapy. They start giving more than one uh, uh, drug at a time. For instance, they give an antibody together with chemo or all kinds of this uh, combination. Usually they, they reach uh, two. So we have to go even further than that. I think that at least three, because, you know, the, the eight cocktail usually is a combination of three. But why, more, more why, why do you think that uh, a cocktail is able to kill a virus or, you know, stop cancer? Is it because that, you know, these you know, viruses or cancer can only mutate at a certain rate, and this overwhelms them. It, it attacks them on so many fronts that they don't have time to mutate to avoid and to be able to yeah. survive this stuff. Uh, it, it, it's, not, it's, not a, it, it's not a question of time. It's a question of statistics. You know, for, for a cancer cell, 
to get one mutation that would help the cell overcome the treatment, it's, uh, there's a specific, uh, specific uh, probability. Now, okay. if you have to do, at the same time, two mutations, now you have to multiply the probabilities. So the probability of having a simultaneous two mutation is much, much lower. Now think about three. It's, it almost never happened because the probability is so low. And this is, this is, this is the whole story, statistics. The combination of three mutations that must happen simultaneously is almost zero. And this is what happened with AIDS, and this, uh, and this is what would happen with cancer. Now, but, there, but there's another thing. Now, if you give a cocktail, like in the AIDS, a cocktail of uh, three uh, drugs, the, the number of, um, of side effects would be tripled. You know? When you give one, you get, you get, you get uh, several side effects. When you get two, you get the sum of the side effects. When you get three, you get more. So it didn't seem so good, but then we had an idea. And this, this was actually exactly what we wanted to. And there, there's a, in everyone who, who is uh, a biologist knows what is called avidity effect. Now, avidity effect is exactly the opposite, opposite of what I just mentioned. If you have several uh, 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 drugs, let's say, if you give them separately, you get, you get a specific uh, uh, efficacy. If you, if you attach them together, for a, and uh, express them in one molecule, you get an uh, exponential growth in the efficacy. And there, there's been uh, many experiments about it. So, for instance, if you, if you take, let's, let's say there, there's a, uh, an experiment that uh, uh, there was an article about. They took yeah. one antibody, they got a specific efficacy. They combined it with another one, they got uh, sometimes a 100 uh, better efficacy, sometimes even 1,000 uh, times better. Mm. So this effect is exponential. So if you give one, uh, if you, if you uh, uh, go from one to two, you get much better exponentially. If you go to three, you get even much, much better. I have a quick question here. Does... Um... Do we observe that certain cancers mutate along predictable pathways? You know, let's say you have a certain kind of cancer and you expose it to a known chemotherapy. Does it tend to mutate into known, you know, into, do, you know, do we know how it's going to mutate or can it mutate in completely different well, ways where you don't yeah, know what yeah. it'll become? Yeah, we know it. You know, there, there are some kinds of cancer that um, we used to give a specific drug and, and they saw that uh, some of the patients do not respond. Then they, they, uh, they found that there's a specific mutation that if uh, this mutation uh, pre-existed in this uh, cancer patient, then uh, they uh, didn't respond to the, this drug. So they, from this point on, they don't give this drug unless they, they give a test to see if uh, these patients have this mutation. And if they do, they don't uh, give the drug to these patients because it would be useless. Now, we, uh, this, this kind of uh, mutation could, uh, hap could, uh, could uh, happen later on. For instance, they start giving the drug to the patient, it works, and then the same mutation uh, is acquired by the cancer cells, and then the drug stops uh, stop, uh, working. And, yeah, but do, do these drugs cause predictable mutations where we know if we give a certain cancer this chemotherapy, it's going to mutate in these ways, or is there still room for it to do yeah, things yeah, we don't yeah, we don't yeah. see? Yeah, these yeah yeah these these things are known. 
So but have we tried to, uh, has, has anyone tried to steer cancer where you deliberately give it a certain drug because you know it will make it mutate in a certain way and then you can attack it with a cocktail? Have we thought about doing that? Like lure it into a trap by making yeah, it mutate? Yeah, but, but, well, we're not, but, yeah, but we're not talking about that. I'm, what I'm saying is actually personalized medicine. Okay. So each patient would be tested, would be tested to, to see what, what is the profile of his cancer, which actually what we want to test is which proteins that are overexpressed on the surface of the cancer cells and what we call receptors. Which receptors are overexpressed? Uh, overexpressed uh, means uh, that they are expressed in high numbers. So which proteins or receptors are overexpressed, overexpressed in the specific cancer of each patient? Now, when we, when we know that, we can design a molecule that would have uh, targeting peptides towards these receptors. So actually, we, uh, by this test, we would know exactly which drug and which combination of uh, targeting peptides uh, to use. Now, each patient would get a different, uh, different, uh, different drug, but all of them would look uh, alike. Now, I can tell you about the drugs that we, that, uh, that, uh, we invented. Uh, okay. which we call the Mutato. So Mutato is uh, the drug that would cure cancer. And uh, how, uh, how it is built, it contains a flexible scaffold, like, like an octopus. Now, octopus has eight arms. Our octopus, uh, or the Mutato, contains much more, dozens of arms. And on the tip of each arm, there's a small peptide. And these peptides are the peptides that we uh, discover using our platform technology. Now, there are two kinds of peptides. The first one are targeting peptides, and these peptides are like an antibodies. They, they, can, they, they can find a specific cancer target and interact with it. And by this interaction, they do two things. First, they inhibit uh, this, uh, this protein, and second, uh, when this interaction occurs, the, the receptor grab the whole molecule and take it into the cell. And this uh, process is called internalization or endocytosis. Actually, the, the, the cell is swallowed. It, the, the cancer cell thinks it, it, is, it is getting something good, like food, so it swallows it in. Mm. So the whole molecule, the whole molecule that contains many peptides gets into the cell. Now, here we, we make a surprise for this cancer cell because the the second type of uh, peptides there are toxic peptides. So these toxic peptides are not toxic, toxic outside the cell because uh, their target is inside the cell. So outside, they're inert. They do nothing. But when the cancer cells swallow this molecule, then the toxic peptides can find their target. And, and actually, it's a, it's, a, it's a poison pill. So they poison the cell from within. So what happens, again, the targeting peptide on the mutator interacts with uh, different target receptors. Then the, uh, the whole mutator uh, is swallowed by the cell, and then the toxic peptide uh, poisons the cell and kills it very efficiently. Hmm. So this is a, a combination of two strategies. First, the multi-targeting won't let the cancer cells accept the therapy because of what I uh, mentioned before, light in the age, because the probability of uh, the cancer cells adopting uh, triple mutation simultaneously is actually almost zero. And then, okay. um, 
There are two mechanisms by which uh, the cancer cells are uh, inhibited and, uh, and, and finally destroyed. First, the, the targeting peptide inhibits the cancer from the outside, and then when uh, the whole mutato gets into the cell, then the, uh, the toxic peptide uh, poisons the cell and kills the cell from uh, within. So these are a combination of several uh, uh, strategies. Now, there's another thing that is good about this mutato. The scaffold is very flexible, again, like an octopus. So it can get into very uh, uh, difficult places or narrow places. For instance, if there's a, a solid tumor where a li large uh, protein like an antibody have, uh, has uh, difficulties getting in, deep into the tumor, our molecule would not have such difficulties because it's very sneaky, like an octopus. Now, another thing is... Uh, Sometimes you give a, a drug to a patient, and after a while, our own immune system recognizes that drug and starts uh, generating antibodies against it. Against it. Mm. Then it, uh, it doesn't help anymore because uh, it's, uh, it is cleared out of our system by our own immune system. Now, the requirements of our, own, uh, of our uh, immune system in order to recognize this uh, these uh, uh, molecules are size. The bigger the molecules, the easiest it is for the um, uh, immune system to recognize it and to, to, to be with uh, a defined solid structure. And these two are, are, are not uh, um, uh, existing in, in the mutato because it's flexible, it doesn't have a, a solid, uh, defined solid structure. And all the components are very small. For instance, the peptides are very small. So usually our uh, immune systems do not generate antibodies against them. And also the, uh, uh, the scaffold itself, the, like the octopus, is uh, from materials that uh, do not generate any moisture. So this is good. Now, uh, now the second thing is uh, side effects. So as I, as I mentioned, because of this avidity effect, this molecule, the more targeting peptides uh, we would have, uh, the more effective would be the molecule. So we would be able to lower the, the, the dose that we give to the patient. And when we lower the dose, uh, it, uh, it, uh, it uh, interacts less in other cells that are not cancerous and have the same target. For instance, you know, uh, the target, targeted therapy goes to specific targets. So in, cancer, in the cancer case, Usually they go to uh, cancer targets that uh, are overexpressed in cancer cells. But the same, the, the same targets exist in non-cancer cells in smaller numbers. So what happens when you give, them, for instance, an antibody that goes to the cancer cells? It goes to the, mostly to the cancer cells, but it goes also to non-cancer cells all over our body. And, and this gives side effects. So if we can uh, lower the concentration that we give, then we would lower... Uh, the interaction with uh, non-cancer cells, and this would lower the, the um, uh, side effects. So, and this is all because of the avidity effect. And, of, and the avidity effect is caused because we connected all the components of the, of the drug. So the same drug, because it contains multi-targeting, multi on the one hand, uh, won't let the uh, cancer uh, develop uh, drug resistance, and on the other hand, would lower the side effects. So this, this is exactly what, uh, what we wanted. So we made a few experiments to show this principle, and, and we showed it. We showed that when we give uh, one targeting peptide, 
uh, we get specific, uh, specific. Uh, we have to to use specific doors in order to kill the cancer cells. But if we uh, we give two in combination, we can kill the cells in much lower concentration. So this is exactly what I was talking about. This is this is the ability effect that shows that uh, that uh, we can lower the side effects. And of course, uh, the whole thing together with the toxic sector would be uh, would be very very efficient. Now again, I, I I have to emphasize that each patient, each cancer patient would get a different mutator, but all of them these mutations would look the same. They would all have flexible uh, uh, flexible uh, scaffold with many arms and with many peptides. Some of them toxic peptides, some of them targeting targeting peptides. But the targeting peptide would be different from one patient to another. So but why? Yeah, no, this this makes yeah. sense. But why wh- why don't the uh, peptides trigger an immune response, especially if they're attached to a larger molecule? What is it about you know peptides that don't trigger the because, immune response? Because uh, because they're very small. So you know, small molecules do not uh, generate an immune response. Uh, let's mm. say uh, aspirin, okay, or ibuprofen, or uh, Tylenol. They are small molecules. Have you ever heard of someone who got the immune response to these molecules? No, because you know you can take it over and over again, over and over for for for, for all of your life, and uh, almost all uh, the, the people won't get uh, won't develop an immune response to these molecules because they're, because they're small. Well, what so, about a what about a virus? What about a virus? How big are they compared to peptides? Uh, viruses are huge. Okay, I didn't know that. Viruses are huge. That, that's why that's why our immune system generates antibodies against viruses. But well, uh, you know, sometimes they, they can, sometimes they, they 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 do their work so so fast that before our it, it takes time until our, our body develops an immune response. So before our body is prepared, it can go into the cells, and uh, and then uh, our immune system can't uh, can't see them in the cells. So viruses are as big as a lot of proteins, or bigger. Like, what's the scale of size? Much, for... much. You know, vi- vi- viruses are comprised of of many, many, many proteins. So okay. If if I say that, uh, for instance, an antibody is one hundred and fifty kilodaltons, uh, viruses are millions or uh, dozens of millions uh, in size. So okay. They're huge. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's that's very cool. So, did you have you found the yeah, size so limit below which peptides seem to be invisible to the immune system? Yeah, size is important in order to uh, induce an immune response. Yeah, everyone knows that. Now, I can't guarantee that uh, there will be no uh, no immune response whatsoever in every patient because you no, know, even that these small molecules like aspirin sometimes generate an immune response, but it's rare. So, hmm. I can't I can't guarantee it, but but. Uh, um, but we think that uh, this would be the case based on uh, on uh, evidence of uh, other uh, uh, experiments and and um, scientific data. Okay. But this is not the important thing. The, the most important thing in this uh, uh, concept, the mutato concept, is the multi-targeting together with a uh, with a uh, 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 toxin and the avidity effect. It comes uh, together with this. Uh, Connecting all of these uh, peptides together. So this is this is the the important thing about it. Again, multi-targeting uh, together with the toxin and the VDT effects. That, that's what uh, make uh, this uh, mutator so special. 
and uh, we're sure that it's going to uh, cure cancer patients because, again, cancer, uh, the cancer, like the, in the AIDS case, won't be able to, to fight back or to, general, to become uh, drug resistant. Is there any way to make this non-personalized where it will work for uh, everyone that has a certain type of cancer or at least large, large cohorts, or does it have to be completely individually uh, personalized? I think that the personalized uh, uh, strategy is the best. Of course, we can give it more in general. You know, the, the first one that we, the first mutator that uh, we're working on is a uh, uh, contains targeting peptides towards the most common uh, uh, cancer targets. So probably there will be uh, many, many cancer patients that would have this combination. So this would be a lung cancer, colon cancer, and head and neck cancer patients. I'm sure that uh, there will be many of them that would uh, that would be fitted to 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 get this this first mutato. Uh, and and we're working on more and more uh, targeting peptides. We think that if we have uh, 100 targeting peptides, then combination of of these 100 would cover all cancers. So we're working on it. And uh, I guess that in a few years we get mutators uh, to to all kinds of cancers. Okay, now, so again, we, yeah. we can give we can give uh, not perfectly uh, match mutators to patients, but I don't like it because the more personalized it, the more personalized uh, uh, drug, I think uh, it's uh, much better for the patient because it would be much more precise, much more efficient, and with less side effects. Well, it's true, but you have the trade-off of cost. So, I mean, the therapy like this, you know, what if it costs $500,000 to do because it's so personalized when you may be able to make a drug that might be $1,000 for a condition? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know about the cost because, you know, we, we want to be the, the ones to determine the cost. Uh, we, you know, we are just a small company. Uh, that we would have to collaborate with big farmers and be, be, they will uh, take it further and develop the drug uh, until they have uh, uh, an approval from FDA uh, to, to sell it in the market. I got you. I think the, but I think the, uh, start treating heat, uh, cancer patients, we can do it in the, within the clinical trials. So, you know, when, when, we, when, when people would start understanding that this, uh, this is a good, uh, good uh, treatment, they would, and they are already uh, trying to get into the clinical side, but we say that we're not uh, there yet, at least for another year. But uh, when, we, we, when we are in the clinical side, people uh, would try to, to join the clinical side, and then they would get the, the treatment for free, you know? So I think this is, uh, this is where we would start treating the uh, people. And about the cost, uh, I don't know. I think that they would have to, to change uh, uh, the thinking about it. I mean, the, the FDA. At what, at what they, stage? They would, uh, make... Yeah, no, I, I know. At what stage will you um, hand this over for clinical trials, or will you be doing, you know, will your company be doing the clinical trial, or will it partner with a larger one to do it? Yeah, we, we think that with the right budget, we can, uh, we can uh, be uh, in the clinical trials a little bit more than a year from now. Uh, actually, we have the first mutator, so what we have to do is just to, you know, the, the, the preclinical trials and, of course, the clinical trials are actually, uh, um, the, the whole process is approving the drug. 
So there are companies that specialize in this process, and uh, they know exactly in the, what to do, and they, they, these kind of companies, they did such a process for hundreds of times. So we already got uh, a quote from, from several uh, companies like this, and uh, they can do it there pretty quickly. So all we okay. have to do is just uh, give them the give them the the drug and and they can do uh, the rest of the of the work. So what do you, what do you, you call the structure? Do, what do you call the structure that you attach the peptides to? This octopus that you mentioned is it does it have a name? Is it a particular kind of proprietary structure? Yeah, there, there, could, there could be there could be the the scaffold could be several things. So far, we use the tag polyethylene glycol which is widely used in the drug industry. And we use other things too that work. It doesn't have to be the same way. The, 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 the most important thing is that you'll be able to attach many peptides on this scaffold. This is the, the most uh, important thing. Yeah, so, I guess it's like attaching... Yeah, it's not important, no? Okay, it's like attaching tools to uh, functional arms or tools to the scaffold and they go in and do the work. Yeah, yeah. The, the important thing uh, here is, uh, are the peptides, not the scaffold. The scaffold is just, uh, you know, just a scaffold. It doesn't do the work. The work is done by the peptides. I understand. Yeah, I understand. Very good. So uh, what, how, what, what will happen in the next year? Are you ready to uh, hand off uh, one of these cocktails and these peptide yeah. groups to, uh, to be tested? So we, we, all, we already have the first uh, mutato. And what we have to do now is uh, just to pay a lot of money to this kind of company that would uh, take it all through the, the rest of the clinical trials and bring us uh, with uh, uh, bring us through all the regulations up to and uh, uh, get an approval to start the clinical trials. And uh, in parallel, we're uh, discovering more and more uh, targeting tests to more cancer targets. So we want to to uh, accelerate this process. So we intend to bring more scientists to work on it in parallel, and uh, and of course uh, we want to get uh, as fast as we can to the clinical trials and start uh, treating patients. No, oh, definitely, that's great. So, what's the best way for people to find out more about what you're doing? And you know, should they go on the internet or how should they find out more? I didn't understand. Yeah, what's the best? Should uh, do you have the website? Yeah. What, What's the best way for people yeah, to find out yeah. more and contact you? Oh, uh, they can they can contact me uh, through uh, uh, the website. The website is uh, www.aedi-bio.com, and they can they can look me in uh, LinkedIn. Many people approach me through LinkedIn. It's the most uh, common uh, way to approach. Okay. Me. Well, very good. Well, Ilan, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Okay, take care. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials, or even starting to appear on shelves, or by prescription, or available for your own use. 
We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.